0: Good morning, welcome to Wednesday. I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. The Illinois High School Association governs high school sports in the state, and they just approved an updated policy regarding transgender athletes. Students with a gender identity that differs from their sex at birth have to submit documentation affirming their gender identity if they wanna participate in postseason sports. Documentation could be school registration showing their gender identity or medical records. IHSA will then rule on eligibility and weigh whether a transgender athlete creates unfair play in championship tournaments. Craig Anderson is the group's executive director. We want to try to be as inclusive as we can with students and have them really uh, have a positive high school experience. Uh, no matter how they identify, um, but at the same time, uh, protecting the integrity of competition, uh, in particular during our state series. Policies for regular season play are determined on the local level, but in general, Illinois has one of the country's most inclusive policies on trans participation in high school sports. And actually, that goes for most transgender policies and laws as well, not just school athletics. So much so that folks living in other states with anti-transgender laws are moving to Illinois. Liz Wooten is a mother from Tennessee. She told WBEZ's daily talk show, Reset, that she moved to Chicago to protect her teenage son. And he's thriving. He is studying law in school. He wants to be a civil rights uh, and defense attorney. He's 14, I know, um, but he he has a really good head on his shoulders and every sacrifice we've made He's so happy. Wooten says transgender kids like her son are marginalized in states like Tennessee more than what many Illinois residents might realize. Tennessee has limited transgender students participation on sports teams and their use of school locker rooms and restrooms. Wooten says it's important to support organizations that help transgender youth across the country. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson is expected to release his budget forecast today. The forecast will give the public a first look at how big of a budget gap the city is facing for the year ahead. My colleagues at The Sun-Times spoke to some city council members who were already briefed on Johnson's financial plans. They said they expect the budget gap to be more than half a billion dollars, fueled in part by ongoing efforts to support migrants. Now, the city of Chicago can't legally operate on a budget deficit. Next month, residents are going to hear how Johnson plans to close the projected gap, whether that be through cuts or new revenue streams, when he's expected to release his overall budget proposal. As for the forecast, Johnson is expected to release that via email later this morning. By now, you've probably heard about that devastating earthquake in Morocco last week. It's estimated that nearly 3,000 people died and 2,500 more were injured. Now, folks in Chicago with ties to Morocco are organizing relief efforts. My colleague, Michael Puente, spoke to a couple of them. Hana Chadi contacted her mother in northern Morocco right away when the earthquake hit the country last Friday. I was shocked. I was very scared. Chadi's mother is fine, but her sister-in-law's house was damaged, as was a friend's house. Both live closer to southern Morocco, where the 6.8 magnitude earthquake hit. That area is much harder to access. There are like remote areas there. The cars cannot go there. Shadi and a friend are now organizing fundraising efforts to help, and they're not the only ones. Global Giving, UNICEF, Doctors Without Borders, and Care Morocco are some of the organizations also collecting donations in case you're interested in helping. And now for a few quick hits. Reported robberies have gone up 43 percent in the city compared to the same time period last year, according to a WBEZ analysis of data from Chicago's Violence Reduction Dashboard. The robbery spike is part of the city's uneven recovery from spikes in violent crime at the height of the pandemic. So shootings, murders and carjackings are down, but robberies and thefts are going up. And the Chicago City Council has advanced a $25 million settlement for two men wrongfully convicted of a college basketball player's murder. Tyrone Hood and Wayne Washington spent a combined 34 years in custody for the 1993 murder. Their convictions were later overturned and in lawsuits, they argued Chicago police coerced their testimony. Some persons questioned the settlement's size, but it was eventually passed it still requires approval from the full city council. And a new study out from Northwestern University collected data on when COVID patients are most contagious. They used a new low-tech device that takes breath samples to test for the virus. The data shows that people with COVID exhale up to 1,000 copies of the virus every minute. The numbers are at their highest for the first eight days after showing symptoms, but drastically decreased to as low as two copies per minute after that. Now the team plans to work on a test that determines the level of infectiousness in a COVID patient. In the weather today, partly cloudy this morning, but mostly sunny in the afternoon. The high is in the upper 60s with low temperatures in the mid 50s tonight. And that's it for now, but later today on The Rundown, we've been talking a lot about how to define home. Sometimes it's less about where and more about who. For Marco Lopez, that means his partner and his young daughter. Oh, she's, so, she's just so great. Like I love our little family that we have. They—they they are home for me. We're going to talk about finding home, whoever they are, today at two o'clock on the rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.